since the early 1980s, hard-hitting bands such as Petra, Striper, White Cross, and Bloodgood would forever change the boundaries of Christian music. The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast brings commentary, analysis, and guest speakers from today's and yesterday's top artists and bands. Now, Podbean.com brings you The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast with your host, Sean Fagan. He's the rock. Hello, it's that time again. It's the Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast, and I am your host, Sean Fagan. I am so glad to be with you today. I am so glad that you're listening to this podcast. It's going to be an exciting time over the next couple months. going to have a lot of different artists that I'm going to be interviewing live. Uh, a couple different festivals I'll be going to, so be ch- checking that out. You can check me out on Facebook, Twitter. My website is... The Rock That Makes Me Roll dot podbean with an N dot com. And you can see all of the interviews there. You can subscribe to the iTunes page and and get, get weekly updates as it comes in. So I'm super excited to be able to be doing this. And I am just still continually every week blown away. Thanks again to Random Hero for last week's podcast. Really appreciate that. Today, I'm super excited. I I got a chance to meet with a couple guys that uh, I have never interviewed before. And one was Jason Gray, the other was Josh Wilson. And unfortunately, due to technical issues, I I'm, I'm really feel bad about this. Josh Wilson's whole interview got deleted. I was using some new equipment, and I didn't realize that when you paused it, if it sat long enough, it would shut off and delete everything that you did. So I am very disappointed with that, and I apologize to Josh and his management. They worked hard with me to get this interview set up, and and it's just a real bummer that it didn't pan out. I hope to be able to catch up with Josh again sometime, maybe redo the interview, and uh, hopefully uh, when I get a chance to talk to him, he'll be understanding with that, and we'll just have to go from there. I've never had that happen before, so it was something new for me, and I feel really terrible about it. But I do have a full interview with Jason Gray, and... I've been thinking for the last 24 hours or so about exactly what I could say about Jason Gray that wouldn't take up my whole podcast time, and we would still have time for the interview, uh, because there's so much that I could say about about Jason and about uh, the the person that, that he is, and you're going to hear all of it. I really don't need to go into any grave detail about it. You're going to hear it all on his podcast, but I, I just want to say to him, if he listens to this, that the time I spent with him was ministry to me, and I hope that the things that we talked about, I hope that in some way maybe I helped him, and I just want him to know that it meant a lot to me that that we had the conversation that we did, both both recorded conversation and private conversation afterward and it was just a a wonderful time that I got to spend with him and and above all it, it really ministered to my soul 
and I appreciate that. Um, it's, uh, I just can't say enough about that. So I'm not going to take a lot of time today with the monologue here at the beginning. I would like to say, if you haven't got an opportunity, though, go check out the tour that Josh and Jason and J.J. Heller are on right now. It is a very uplifting tour, very great concert to see, and it was a lot of fun to see them uh, on stage. So definitely check out Jason Gray's new album that's coming out in June, Where the Light Gets In. It promises to have a lot of good music on it. We discussed that somewhat in our interview, so be listening for that. You can pre-order that on his website. If you have any uh, any questions, you can contact them on their Facebook page or also on their website. We'll be back in just a minute with Jason Gray. The Rock That Makes Me Roll Podcast. cut off of Jason Gray's album, Love Will Have the Final Word, and the song was Glow in the Dark. I'm here with uh, Jason Gray. We're at uh, Springfield High Street Church of the Nazarene. Jason's been playing for quite some time now. Currently, he's signed with Centricity Music. He's had quite a few top 50 songs in the Christian Billboard, and just wanted to say, hey, Jason, how you doing? And I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Great, man. Well, I'm glad you're here with me. I uh, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your new album that's coming out. It looks like it's going to be released in June, and it's called Where the the Light Gets In. Yeah. And you've got a new single out with it already called Sparrows. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, the, uh, the album um, name comes from a song I wrote uh, called The Wound is Where the Light Gets In, uh, which is actually... Uh, a quote by um, the Persian poet Rumi. He wrote, uh, the wound is where the light enters you. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And uh, <clears throat> so I borrowed from him and uh, wrote the song, the wound is where, is, is, is where the light gets in. But I figured that's okay because he's borrowing from the Gospels. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's the oldest idea around, I suppose. Um, but, uh, you know, Moved by the idea that um, I think 
I think when we're in the midst of difficulties and pain and loss and <laughs> failure and all those things, we can become anxious and feel like everything's out of control. And uh, it's been meaningful to me to understand that and then also to share with my audience, you know, hey, uh, you don't have to be afraid here. In fact, we, m- we may be right on time. You know, th- this may be exactly what uh, is a necessary thing for us to go through in order to develop uh, the things in our hearts that um, are lacking. Or, or you know, um, like I don't want to say that everything happens for a reason. I'm not sure if I believe that. But I do believe that there isn't anything that happens that isn't beyond God's redemptive reach, you know. And that, uh, and that all of it can be material for God to make something beautiful out of our lives. There's a, a quote I love. Let me look it up here really, really quick. <clears throat> it's by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who wrote the Stages of Grief book. And she wrote this beautiful thing. She wrote, The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These people have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep, caring concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that so great? That is great. And so, uh, hopefully, um, especially the newer songs, are meant to encourage people who are in the midst of of pain and loss and failure and it can feel chaotic and like everything's falling apart and uh, hopefully assure them well actually maybe you're being put back together and uh being made into the best version of yourself because these things that you're going to go through they're going to make you a better listener they're going to uh, make you less judgmental they're going to make you more caring. I heard a quote that wisdom is healed pain. It's going to make you wiser, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. And so do not be afraid. That's sweet. Speaking of going through things, I read quite a bit about you um, with the different changes and struggles that you've gone through in your life. Uh, and it definitely gave me a greater understanding of, of your heart and, and where your music comes from. Hmm. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with you, could you share with me some of the history um, about yourself that's kind of similar to what you had on your Facebook page about your life and how it's affected your songwriting? Yeah. Um, are you referring specifically to, to my speech impediment? And Yeah, your yeah. speech impediment, yeah. Different things that have yeah. happened in your life and things that specifically with you that have kind of helped yeah well very very early on in my life um you know i i i I have a a speech impediment um known as stuttering and that uh immediately complicated my understanding of the way that i believe the world worked you know um in a really great way uh, especially as I began to be aware of God's c- calling on my life, because I used to, I used to think that my story would have to be, oh, okay, I see, he's he's going to heal me, 
And then that's going to be my story that I was, I was healed of a speech handicap. And, um, and then when that isn't the story that was kind of happening, it was very confusing and I was frustrated. I remember in high school, I'd moved to a new town and, uh, the youth pastor, uh, after my first week at youth group, he asked me if I wanted to be a part of a skit that they were going to do the following week, which, uh, I understand now is a great thing for a youth pastor to do to get you to come back. Right. But, um, at the time I thought, uh, I want to say no because of the speech thing and I'm new here. That'd be embarrassing. But I just felt like it was a good skit. I thought, you know what? I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to believe that when I show up to do the skit, God's going to meet me there and, and I'm going to be fluent. The speech isn't going to be an issue and I'm going to step out in faith. It's scary for me, but I'm going to believe for that, you know, and nervous about the whole week. And I got there and I started to do the skit and I stuttered so bad. It was so humiliating. And I was so angry with God about it. I felt so let down, like, hey, I'm out here. I'm doing my part. I'm stepping out, you know. And um, uh, and that began to be a, 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 turning, a t- 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 turning point where I stopped p- p- putting my hope in the idea of being being perfectly healed before he could use me. And then I began to understand, actually, I think he wants to use me because of my speech impediment, because I would go out and I would do concerts and everything. And the thing that drew people to me was that I had this very obvious imperfection. And it began to um, to really teach me a lot about being a wounded healer, which is what Christ was. He was wounded for our healing. Right. And he makes us wounded healers so that the brokenness that you experience... Uh, equips you to be able to be a source of healing for others. I think he heals us by making us healers. And I discovered that people felt more comfortable with me and they felt like they could open up with me because I had this, this obvious imperfection. And I discovered that people liked me more because I stuttered. And I also discovered that I liked people more when I knew what their brokenness was, because then I felt like, oh, they aren't perfect either, so I don't right. have to. I don't have to hide anymore. And uh, um, I think our weaknesses are a gift that we get to bring to each other because it helps draw us out of hiding. And and when we can be drawn out of our hiding places, that's where healing can happen. Um, the church so often becomes a place where we think it's all about our efforts of keeping our life clean, being perfect, being holy, and and then if we aren't, then we better not tell anybody or we're going to get uh, ostracized, you know. But I just think that's exactly the opposite of what the community of Christ is supposed to be about. It says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. And um, there's that verse that talks about um, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Mm-hmm. And I used to think, I used to think that there was something kind of magical about that. Like, okay, here's this thing I got to pray about. And if I really want God to hear me, I got to get someone else. Cause that's how the equation works. If there are two people there, then it's gonna, he's gonna hear me better, you know? 
and just uh, beginning to understand what I really th- uh, think that means is that you have Christ in you. He lives in you. And Christ lives in me. And so when we come together to pray, we bring Christ to each other. Mm-hmm. And there he is with us because he lives in us. And so I get to experience him living in you when you come to me. And so if I can, if we can come together and not be hiding, then I think we can experience some kind of healing because healing doesn't happen in the hiding places, right? Right. So, um, so that was what my, you know, what having a speech handicap, um, began to teach me, you know, that was where I first began to learn that. And really my speech handicap is, is the, is the least of my handicaps, right. my problems, right. you know, I but, understand. but it was a, it was a good place to begin the conversation, both for the Holy Spirit to begin, um, that conversation in my life and for me to begin the conversation with my audience sure. you know, about the virtue of weakness. Thank you for sharing that. That means a lot, man. So I also saw in my research that you are working with World Vision quite a bit. How'd yeah. you get involved with that? And, and tell me a little bit about what you do. Oh, with yeah. That. I've been working with World Vision <clears throat> since, I'm going to say 2002 or three, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's been the greatest. It's been one of the most significant developments in my walk with Jesus, especially in understanding understanding the gospel. Um, it's very clear that God cares about the poor. Hundreds of verses where uh, he makes it very clear that, that his heart even breaks for the poor, so the poor, that he is with the poor, you know. Uh, there's that remarkable verse where Jesus is speaking, <clears throat> and uh, he paints a picture of what it will look like when we stand before God. And uh, we're hoping to enter heaven, and God asks us some questions. And what's remarkable to me is that I think Western Christianity wants to make our our faith about believing a certain set of ideas and believing information. And it's weird, right? It's like whoever believes the right information is saved. Right. That's just a really weird idea to me, especially since it says, you know, that that uh, the Lord is uh, uh, searching the earth for the hearts that are truly His. You know, and we we keep making about information. But okay, so in that moment at the end, when we stand before God and He's asking us questions, He doesn't ask us anything about what we believe. He doesn't ask us if we believed in the inerrancy of Scripture or if we believed in the virgin birth, or the resurrection, or the rapture, or any of that stuff, right? He doesn't ask if we were a Calvinist, or any of those things. He says, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? And I just think that is terrifying and beautiful all at the same time. It's beautiful because Jesus says, Whatever you did unto the least of these, you did unto me. And why I think that is beautiful is that I am so indebted to the love of God. I am such a mess, and God has never failed to love me. 
I owe so much to his unfailing love that there's no way I can pay him back. There's no way I can even the score. Yeah, and 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 still, it seems like I get to come the closest to giving him anything in return for all he's done for me when I care for the poor. Because he says, "Whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me." It means that much to me, he says. And uh, so, in some mysterious way, I believe I get to minister to the broken heart of God when I care for the poor. And uh, I don't know, it's become my most significant expression of worship, I guess. You know, uh, in, in, in James it says, true religion is this, that we look after the orphan and the widow in their distress. Mm. And I've I've made religion about so many things. I've made it about theology. I've made it about worship music. I've made it about my own righteousness. And no, he says, true religion is this, that we look after the orphan and the widow in their distress. Wow. <laughs> pretty pretty powerful. I saw that you have a blog that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about your blog. Mm. Well, I don't... I. <clears throat> I used to blog on a regular basis. I don't I haven't had the haven't had the space in my life to blog in recent years. Um I uh I recently posted a blog which is kind of about why I haven't had the space in my life in recent years. Um I uh I went through a divorce. Um it was finalized this last year but it was ongoing for years and years and years before that you know and mm-hmm. um man it's just uh it's the story that you never imagine you'll go through and it's devastating it's disorienting and uh the most painful thing you can go through uh it's worse than a death in a lot of ways because with a death, you can grieve the person that you lost, you know, mm-hmm. so much more complicated than death. It is a death, but, um, and, uh, I remember <clears throat> in the midst of, of all of that, of the loss, the grief, the shame, um, just, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been depressed for about, three years and uh but i still had to make an income because i still had to provide for my family and so i'd go out and i'd 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 sing about the hope that i i hoped i could still believe in but i I, Mm. you know I, i i i sang with more hope than i did with conviction does that make sense sure yeah (laughs) um and uh I remember at its worst, I was out on the road with Big Daddy Weave and just so burnt out, exhausted, and just kind of dead inside. But I still have to, I still have to work. You know, the world right. doesn't stop. So I was on this tour. They were so good to me. And um, at the end of the night, uh, they do an altar call, and people who need prayer um, come forward. And. I'm just feeling like I right now do I even know if prayer works or how how prayer works cuz I I prayed 
so hard for this one thing for years and and uh, and it didn't turn out the way I hoped you know um and of course I know that there were human wills on the on both ends of those you know well I know it's complicated but um, I've been there man I've yeah. been through the same thing yeah. so I totally can totally empathize yeah. with where you're coming from I can feel you as you're talking it's, yeah. just, it's rough yes so painful so I'm laying in my bunk on the bus and I know it's about the time for the altar call I'm like do I go out there am I uh, worthy to go out there with all that's happened in my life? Do I have a right to be out there and pray for people? Do I believe, do I have enough hope to pray for other people? And I'd rather just hide in my bunk, you know? Um, but I've, I've tried to build as a discipline into my life to, um, put myself wherever I thought the God might be moving in hopes that, I might get hit by something, you know. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go out there. I feel dead inside. I do not feel qualified to pray for anybody. I don't even know if I believe in prayer, but I'm I'm going to go out there and see what happens. And each night, uh, that first 11-day run, each night there were people in the audience who, uh, who I ended up praying for uh, whose marriages were in trouble. And I thought, oh, this is the, this is the one thing I know how to pray for. I know how to pray for this person who feels ashamed. I know how to pray for this person who feels betrayed. I know how to, you know, I, 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 uh, and in all of that, I felt like, um, I felt like God was saying, you still have good work to do. And so, so here I am. <laughs> so a lot of the new album, I'd say my last record had, a lot of grief on it. There's a lot of pain on that record. Um, the new record is more uh, about recovery and getting back up and um, realizing the end isn't the end. You know, right, <laughs> right. Uh, there's a there's a great uh, devotion by Oswald Ch- Chambers um, that. Uh, that t- talks about you know um, the initiative against despair when the worst happens, the way to take initiative against the despair that would consume you is to arise and do the next thing. And so th- this album is definitely me rising up and doing the next thing. <laughs> That's great. That was a long answer. Sorry. No, that's great, man. I'm so so glad you shared that with me. I know you got to get out. You got things yeah. you got to do. So uh, I won't keep you much longer. Just I wanted to see if you had any final thoughts for the people out there listening. What uh, anything you want them to know beyond what you've already said? Yeah, you know, um, I'm not sure when this is going to air or when people are going to hear it, but um, I know for. You and I, we're a week out from Easter right now, and uh, just before I walked in here, I was I was I was texting a friend. I'm working out an Easter song that I'm going to play. And I'm just aware of like how challenging the idea of Easter is to me 
in my recent history. And um, I was remembering something my pastor said, the hope of Easter is not for those huddled in the waiting room at a hospital hoping that the news they are about to get isn't what they're most afraid of. The hope of Easter is for those who have already gotten the worst news, for those that the worst has already happened, and they wonder, now what? The hope of Easter is the news of resurrection to the dead. <laughs> so that seems as good a place as any to to end. I guess that's the place to begin, isn't it? Right. So we'll end with the beginning. <laughs> right. All right, Jason. Well, I want to thank you for spending some time with yeah. me on the podcast. And uh, just thank you for coming to Springfield. Looking forward to seeing you in the show tonight. And Thank you, Sean. All right. You take care, okay? Yeah, you too, man. All right. Thanks, man.